What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is good. Let's go. Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. That's hey, intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome, Buccaneer fans, to the Salty Dog Podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I am still Jeff Ryan. <laughs> and I guess our first one went okay because it let us do another one. We're here and exciting. I'm so ready to go. Welcoming guys. in Buccaneer fans. Actually, you know, they don't have to be Buccaneer fans. Anybody can listen. Correct. Maybe somebody stumbles across it thinking it's a cooking show or something. Yeah, well, or it could. Pets. Yep, yep, yep. Or maybe or like a Panthers fan hate listening. Or fishing. Fishing? Salty oh, dogs. Oh, yeah, you're right. Salty dogs. Speaking of fishing and salty dogs, are we're going to... We're going to have Is one. a fisherman. Yes. And a salty is. dog, a, a yes. bit of his own. Great fisherman. Dave Moore is going to join us today. Yep. The longtime tight end and long snapper for the Buccaneers, a pro bowler at the end of his career. 15 and, years. And uh, played a few years in Buffalo as well and actually started his career in Miami. But uh, we'll let him talk about all that when he comes on. Yeah. Here. Good stuff. You don't want to miss that. He's got stories. Yeah. I'm told. I've heard some before. Mm hmm. Okay. I've heard them all, but they're good. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I should point out also that Dave Moore's on the. Radio broadcast. Correct. So you'll be hearing him calling games with, with Jane Decker. Correct. 12 seasons as a color analyst, yep. and uh, we have a lot of discussions. But uh, this week, it's been kind of a crazy week because of all the injuries. Yeah, it's like the first maybe 11 days of training camp, I, I think our trainers were stealing money. They just didn't mm -hmm. have much to do. And uh, and then I don't know if the field was booby-trapped or a bomb went off or something yesterday because all of a sudden that training room was full. Right. I, I think – I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say seven or eight guys left practice You yesterday. mentioned that, and I was trying – wow, I'm – but if you just go to the O-line. Well, yeah, that's the main problem. And as Coach Cutters pointed out, uh, it, I don't know what it is, but the last few years when guys get hurt, it tends to concentrate in one position. Like, remember 2016, like the whole defensive line was hurt. And uh, we went to Carolina. We had basically the entire defensive line was injured. And, and guys like uh, Devontae Lambert and Channing Orr were stepping in. And really, and we won that game. It was, it was pretty good. Next man. Up. Yeah, that was definitely the definition of that. So this time it's the offensive line and specifically the right side of the offensive line. Um, DeMar Dotson's actually doing a little bit more every day. So that's going in the right direction. I saw him running when they were doing gassers. Yeah, yeah. He, was run he wasn't running with everybody, but he was running on the Well, side. and he's starting to take 11 on 11 snaps now, which they were keeping him out of before because people end up on the ground and, you know, he had the knee surgery and you don't want to risk him tripping over somebody. And the other thing, too, is it is – it is training camp. It is preseason. Yeah. So and if you're a, if you're nicked a little bit, they hope they're careful. But then Leonard Wester got hurt, who was taking his snaps, dots and snaps. And then Cole Garter stepped in to take the snaps, and he got hurt. Uh, Caleb Benenock at the right guard has been out, although he came back to practice. Could today. that be because our defensive line is beefed up so much? Well, that that's possible. Yeah, I mean, um, the coach Cutter's mentioned that several times. We see on paper this defensive line looks a lot better. You know, but we still are you still I'm still just a little nervous. I, I want to you know, it, it has to translate on the field and I'm nervous about it happening. But then I hear coach saying he stands back there. He's the guy that has to decide whether it plays a sack and to blow the whistle or not, because they're not going to really hit the quarterback. But the, the D line gets close and they want a sack. And of course, the offense says, no, no, I got away from it. But he has to decide. And so he says he said the other day, standing back there watching that that pass rush is no joke. 
And for him to say something like that, yeah. you know there's... He, he's he not volunteering that. No, he's not going <laughs> to tip his hand true. on anything. Well, and he's not going to get too effusive in praise at this time of the year either. He, 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 and he often says things like, come on, guys, we've had five practices so far. We don't really can't really give you a judgment on that yet. But for him to say that meant something. Yeah, you bring up, don't get too excited. It's very, very early. But my takeaway from this training camp are our corners. Yeah. I am truly excited about... Right. What I have been seeing for right. for what it's worth, um, you have Brett Grimes. What more can you say? He hasn't really practiced very much, you but he's a veteran, yeah. and sometimes I take that as, what are you going to teach him? Yeah, he doesn't need any more practice. Um, but I think uh, Vernon Hargraves is stepping up. Yeah, he's looked good. I think he's stepping up. But but the sleeper is MJ Stewart. Well, I don't think you can call him a sleeper anymore, Jeff. He no. makes a play every day in practice. Well, what's so funny you about got an that? Interesting definition of sleeper. <clears throat> you're not expecting it to happen. You didn't expect he was a second round draft pick. I understand that, but I don't. Ex- I, I always look at where you get drafted. That's just a grade. Okay. Because if because if 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 every time you drafted something like in the first round or the second round and they were all hits, yeah, I, I've been around here before. Well, no. we drafted a second round cornerback a few years back in Jonathan Banks, and he was a great guy. But you can't really say that worked out in the long run. It didn't really work out in the long run. You proved my point. I know, Thank but you. we also drafted Brian Kelly in the second round, and that worked out well. Yeah, it worked very well. Very well. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just quibbling, but you're right. MJ Stewart's it, been fantastic. And what amazed me was you were the one that said, name a day that he hasn't made a spectacular play. It happens every day. But where's he going to play? I mean, Vernon Hargraves is starting the slot right now, and if anybody's going to unseat uh, one of the veterans as the other Outside guy across from Brent Grimes is probably going to be Carlton Davis because he's playing outside and doing well. He's doing really well. That was so, the next name I was going to bring up. MJ Stewart's going to play this year, but it's not clear right now the path to that playing time. And I don't think it hurts us to to have solid backups <laughs> and keep people fresh because if I remember right, we struggled in the fourth quarter last year in games where you had the lead and it well and and the depth was tested as it is every year at cornerback and if you don't have good depth then you're exposed pretty quickly and and you know there were games where guys were wide open. Uh, so yeah, the cornerback depth is something I harp on all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm not jumping on here. No, I'm like I like a broken it. Record. I like it. But because I can't wait to be proven correct. <laughs> Let me get back to the offensive line because the Bucks are going to play a game tomorrow um, in Miami, and they have a very unusual situation to deal with in the quarterbacks. Correct. Because you're trying to prepare. You're essentially trying to get two starters ready. You, you, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start those first three games, so he has to be prepared. No question. Um, James Winston is not going to be able to practice during those first three weeks while he's on his suspension. So if you're going to get him ready, you kind of got to do some of that now. And then you got Ryan Griffin, who as nominally the third string, probably wouldn't get a lot of playing time. But he's one he's one very he's one injury to to Fitzpatrick away from starting. So you got to get him a little more. And if you got two guys that kind of feel like are starters, you generally want to play your starting quarterback behind your starting offensive line. That's been the case. But we can't leave our starting offensive line out there for double the reps. So somebody, how much are you going to play, James? We're, Coach keeps saying there's a plan, and of course there is. He definitely has a plan, but he hasn't shared what it is yet. So beyond Ryan Fitzpatrick starting tomorrow night, we're going to walk into the game, you and me and everybody in the analysts, not knowing what to expect from the quarterback. So that's one of the main things to watch. And the injuries to the offensive line exacerbate that problem. It just make, It's a complicating matter. I, I do like the fact that uh... – Dirk Cutter's been putting Jameis with the second string, so to speak, or your backups, or however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that thought process because if you're a great quarterback, you elevate the play around you. Yeah. And so I, I kind of, I kind of like that fact that 
sometimes you're not going to have your best guy in at mm-hmm. all times. Your old line, your receivers, yeah, your you're special. not going to have all the all your stars, so to say, in there. So I kind of the good news, I though, like that. with the depth this team has at wide wide receiver and tight end, even when you're playing with the second and third stringers, you're playing with some pretty good players out there. I think it's the offensive line that's a little more, more I, of an issue. I think probably the the one position I think we're solid at uh, is tight end. <laughs> yeah, I, and wide I, receiver. I, yes, yes. I don't I don't think anybody can really get into that. Now I wanted to. This is kind of a let me depart a little bit from what we were just talking about because I wanted to get to this before we finish this first segment. Did you see the thing about the new? sliding diving rule i did but i don't fully understand well it's easy to understand from the standpoint of what it's intended for and that's quarterback protection so previously if the quarterback wanted to give himself up and therefore not be eligible to hit you know he's scrambling but before he has to slide feet first and then the guys know not to hit him but if you were to dive head first which we've seen Jameis do plenty of times you're still in play you're you're gaining those yards and so they'll, they'll hit you well they change that now so if you are giving yourself up, and you dive head first. It's the same thing. You're, the play is still dead. They're not supposed to hit you, and it's marked from the point you started the dive. So when you leave your feet, yeah, when you start your head first dive, they're going to mark it back where you were is where you that, started it. Is that just for the quarterback, or is that for anybody? I think it can't be just for the quarterback. I think, and I asked Coach about this today, and he was explaining that it's not that much different because, you know, basically, like they're saying, you, if any part of your body, like your knee or something, is down, you're not getting those extra yards anyway. But the way I was reading the rule, it sounds like when you start to dive, you can't take the dive out of the game. No. You have to be able to, what work done diving at a pylon in St. Louis for a touchdown? And players do that all the time. So isn't there a gray area here where the ref has to decide if he was diving for gain or diving to give himself up? Interpretation, and that's going to get us in trouble. That's that's what I'm worried that about. Going to I mean, get everybody's worried about the helmet rule for good reason. Any, any new rule where it involves something new that the the referees have to interpret on the spot, and it really wouldn't be open to review if it's their interpretation. It's not going to be open to review. When we had the refs here, I uh, they'd come in, have coffee, and get ready to go out, and I had a couple conversations with them, and they're doing their homework. Yeah, they really are working hard, and it's it's an interesting dynamic because if you Talk to them as a group. It seems like the message is the same. But if you talk to them on an individual oh, basis, no, no, I'm just saying interpretation will always be. I know. I don't wet. think that's good. And so, so if you have this one crew and they they believe this is the way it should go, but you have another crew and they yeah. think this is the way to go. Oh boy! So now you're going to be looking at games, and instead of looking at starting quarterbacks, we're going to be looking at who the officials are. <laughs> To getting, know what you can do. To know what you can do. Yeah, and that's true with the helmet rule too. It's gonna be it's gonna be strange. But I don't like this diving rule. And I don't understand why a quarterback would want to dive head first rather than slide feet first if they're not gaining any more yardage by diving, because it's gonna be spotted where he starts the dive. Aren't you putting yourself in more danger? Because sometimes even though you give yourself up, players still hit you. They might get a flag. So if you're if you're sliding feet first and you get hit, it's gonna be it's going to be worse if you're diving head first, right? Why would a quarterback choose to dive head first to give himself up? Not a smart player because now you're going to get helmet to helmet, whether yeah. it's intentional yeah, or and, not. And these guys have been trained all their life to know, oh, the guy slid his feet, you know, pull up, yep. fly over. Back up. But if he dives head first, I'm hitting the guy. And it's going to be hard for them to not do that in the moment, at least at least for a while. 
It'll be fun. The first few preseason games, I did watch the Hall of Fame game, and I didn't think uh, penalties were that bad. I, I That's true. You know, I, I was – and I was mainly watching that game just to see how they were going to Yeah, and there were three depth. of those helmet calls. And one was – Two was, of them were pretty Yeah, obvious. I mean – One was a little eh, but, I mean, you can you can live with one call mm-hmm, that's a little iffy. Mm-hmm. So, so so now we so as the the rules changed, of course it's all for player safety, and Which we is, understand that, we, and that's very good. Mm-hmm. Everybody agrees with that. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, you, you notice that we had Ronde and Dave on here the last two weeks. And I we, did notice we, that. You did notice that. <laughs> You're very observant, Jeff. Nothing's getting by <laughs> one me. one of these days. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna put together a real good podcast. Um, and we asked them about training camp because it was so different in their days, and both of them immediately like, but it's for the best. I mean, they're, they're not. They're not saying, oh, these young kids today, they're so soft. They don't know what they have to go through. Well, they're not saying it on our podcast, <laughs> but I've been around the block a few okay. times. But they're acknowledging that it's, it's a it, trend in the right direction. Isn't, isn't that the way it works, no matter what generation, no matter what you do? The next one do. is softer. Y'all, if you ask me about broadcasting kids these days, it, they don't have to deal with tape and razor blades to do edits. They automatically can do it from your desk. You're not in a big studio, you know. Yeah, I so. wouldn't know. I'm still too young to yes. be worried about the next generation. It wasn't that far, it wasn't that far ago. <laughs> you, you may you may. These writers this. today are so soft. Yeah. Remember, remember when you used to have a cassette machine to do your, well, I had to, to, do your quotes I rather had than to, digital? <laughs> I, have to, I used to have to chisel out the, the game notes on a, a slate. No, honestly, I, I will say this. My first year, I was a PR guy here first. My first year mm-hmm. in 92 was the first year that we started doing the roster on a PC. Before that, Rick Odioso, the PR director at the time, would type the roster yeah. on a typewriter. So anytime you changed the roster, you had to retype the entire thing. I also I also remember, and it's not that long ago. It is and it isn't, but um, would you get your game book? The mimeograph. The thing. mimeograph. And the it, big whirling. Yeah, you, you spun <laughs> it. <and laughs> you know, like when you were in third. It uh, was fast. Yes. But it didn't print very well. But and it was heavy, it, too. Yes. Yeah, That was I, those were the good old days, right? All right. What do you think? Will you think yeah, we should bring think, our next guest in? Well, uh, let's uh, let's finish up here okay. and do a real quick segment because we always do our second segment on Remember That Time, you know, where we kind of reminisce. Oh, a okay. Bit. okay. And, but, and then we'll bring in Dave Moore. All right. Okay, so we'll be back in just a minute. The Salty Dogs. Welcome back, everybody, to the Salty Dogs Podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And again, I am me. <laughs> Jeff Ryan, if you forgot. If, if you don't know my voice by now, then forget it. That's a good point. Um, so, Jeff, uh, on our second segment here, we always, always, I say always, this is the second one we've ever done. We shall so always. So we shall always do a Remember That Time, and it's sort of related to the team we're about to play. Last year, last week, we just did training camp. So we're playing the Dolphins, so give me a Dolphin memory. The best Dolphin memory I have is, first of all, I don't, I don't enjoy um, the stadium as a broadcast booth. <laughs> the stadium is really beautiful, and for somehow they managed to build a beautiful stadium and make the broadcast booth the worst in the NFL. Oh, my. Yes, Throwing I said Throwing it down. It. They actually surpassed the Oakland Coliseum, and that's not that's easy hard to, to do. do. Yeah. It's just very cumbersome. You're in the corner. You're on the opposite side. It's, it's very cumbersome. Yeah, that is bad. But that's now. But in 97, we were on the 50-yard line. So yes. I'm going to give them props. At one time, they had it right. We're this must the, have been in the preseason because no, we played Miami here in '97. It was well then. It was part of that. Maybe I think no. It was it was a game in. It was in the 
mid 90s okay all right in the let me back it up we were winning so i would say 97 98 in in, in there and it was pouring down rain just had all this that rain. was 2000 okay all this rain all this i mean just nasty 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 the game where jamie duncan intercepted a pass exactly and thank two you field goals thank you okay. my years are running together but so jamie 2000. jamie duncan intercepts the pass and runs it back oh that's part of the story this is part of the story I'm setting so, you up thank you we're like a seasoned broadcast team now that's what a partner does like, well, appreciate it mm-hmm. so jamie duncan you want to tell the story <laughs> that's all i got okay <laughs> so jamie duncan inter- makes the interception all right and he's running down the field gene deckerhoff jumps up and the booth has glass and he jumps up and he is as he's describing the play he's (laughs) on the glass and when we score you he's going touchdown and the glass is going like this and and at that moment i realized how involved gene gets into a game and how excited he gets in the game that's the best Miami story I have. And we did win that game. We did win that game because yes. Grammatica made two field goals. And the 97 game you bring up was part of the 5-0 and stars. Yes, here. yes, yes. And he was yes. here. And the thing about that game that was interesting was the Bucks did not punt a single time. I know that. And that's only happened a couple times in team history. Uh, one time it happened way back in the early 90s when Dan Straczynski was our punter. Mm-hmm. And I was a young PR guy. Uh, and going through the locker room thinking I'm funny. And I said, hey, Dan, uh, pretty easy game for you yesterday, huh? He did not think that was funny. <laughs> he didn't think it was – I thought it was harmless. I remember he uh, gave me a very sarcastic at least, response. At least you didn't say you don't have to get your uniform cleaned. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, we don't want to spend a lot of time on this because our guest is going to have a lot to reminisce about, especially because he has Miami connections too. But I remember 1992, my first year here, we went down there in the preseason – and it was literally like right after Hurricane Charlie had passed, like the next day or two days later. And you're driving down the road, and most everything was dark. Uh, no, nothing was open. There were trees across the road. And uh, it felt like you were in a – well, you were in a disaster zone to some extent. And I just remember that because it was like that might have been my first road trip ever in the NFL. And we went down there, and it's it stuck with me ever since. Not a fun trip. I'm not a – Yeah. That's, that's not one of my favorite, favorite road trips. But, uh, well – Really? Yeah. It's quick, though. It is. It's quick. It's easy. It's Remember just... one time with Sam, with Tony Dungeon, we went down there in the preseason on the same day. We didn't go the night before. Correct. We flew in and then stayed in a stayed hotel. hotel did, and then, yep. And then that back. was weird. We also did that for Jacksonville one day, oh, but I, we did it by bus. By bus. That's right. All right, Jeff. Like I said, our next guest will help us with all this reminiscing and also maybe give us a little bit of how he feels about the team right now. And that's Dave Moore, the longtime tight end and long snapper. And we'll be back just a minute with Dave. The Salty Dogs. Welcome back to the Salty Dogs podcast, our second one ever. I'm Scott Smith. and Yeah. You are. And you and you are? I am, Jeff Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to scoot our chairs apart a little bit to uh, fit another guy in here, a guy that uh, Buck fans know very well. And I think he's here because he just couldn't get enough training camp. Like, that, you missed training camp, right? <laughs> right, Dave Moore? That's our guest today. Yes. Not so much. <laughs> Not at all. Not even a little bit? No. Yeah, you, you, when you retire, you miss the guys and the atmosphere around training camp you know the conversations in between the constant complaining about how your body feels and how the coach is a jerk and at everything that, yeah. else but uh you, you don't miss the soreness and you know things have changed obviously because of the cba and things like that on structures of practice and how many you can have but you know when uh, my first year uh i got drafted by the dolphins mm-hmm. and we were full pads every morning and then from 1 to 2 30 was 
helmets only, and then four to six thirty was shoulder pads and helmets. Three a days. It was three a days and really two in pads per day. Perfect. Um, That's crazy. Which you know is, is a little bit different than it is now, and rightfully so. I, I think obviously it's a little, the key is to be healthy on game day, not beat to death from five weeks of training. So camp. you so you stayed with the Dolphins through training camp. I did. I was with the Dolphins, mm-hmm. and at the end of training camp, um, at that time, it was a 45-man roster, 46-man uh, roster. Well, it wasn't this, a 53 yet. This is way back in, what, 1953? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, really today, it's still the same. You can dress 46 guys, but you can carry 53 on the roster. At that time, it was 46 guys, but injured reserve was only four weeks long. That's so right. guys would kind of come on and off of the roster, come on and off a of practice squad. And at that time, I had beat the backup tight end. Uh, Which was who? was uh, Greg Beatty. He was a Stanford guy, wow. but he was a starting long snapper behind Farrell Edmonds. So Don Shula, when he let me go, said, we got to put you on a practice squad. And then, uh, you know, you need to be available and ready. you got to sit in the installation meetings and the game plan because if – um, Farrell Edmund to start tight end goes down. We're going to activate you to play tight end, but we can't keep you on the roster because we only have 46 spots and that backup tight end happens to be to start. Long Is that why you learned a long snap? Well, I, yeah. Well, college head coach told me um, probably my junior year that I could make myself more valuable if I learned how to snap. And at Pitt, we had a full-time snapper um, and that's all he did. So I learned that's kind of the emergency guy for that. And I, you know, and I snapped at the combine and I snapped at workouts for teams. And Mike Westoff was the uh, longtime special team coach down there. And when he came up to pit, he had me snap and told me, you know, that he thought he could help me um, get better at that. And then once I got drafted down there, we worked at it. But I was, at that point, I wasn't good enough to beat the guy that had been there. So I got kind of got caught in a numbers thing a little bit. And then, uh, but I, I hung out yeah. in Miami pretty much for the balances or the most of that season. I, I've heard this story, and I, <laughs> I, I love this story. It's a great story. So, well, you I, love it because it was entertaining. Yeah, it's, it's pretty mortifying it, for it's, me. It's, it, it, it's a great inside look. You know, this is way before Hard Knocks. So um, tell that story, that <laughs> fateful day when Don Shula called you into your office. Well, uh, first didn't of all, leave anything out either. First of all, the <laughs> the the entire training camp down there was kind of thrown off by Hurricane Andrew. Right. So we here went, I am. We went down there that year. Here I am trying to learn what I'm supposed to be doing, be where I'm supposed to be, be at my three practices a day, and stay out of trouble. And then we get thrown completely out of whack because. St. Thomas University, so last year their camp was down there. Um, it was all glass at the dorms and everything else. So after the hurricane, we had to relocate everything to the stadium. We were off for three days because there wasn't power anywhere. And then, you know, we're getting ready for the last preseason game. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm trying to continue to do what I'm doing. Anyway, we get to the It feels final. like he's stalling to yes, those he stories. Is. We get to the, we get, <laughs> he's dancing quite nicely. We, we, get to, we get to the final cut day and you know uh we had a meeting at you know 10 o'clock or uh one o'clock in the afternoon so i guess they had all their meetings and decided to so when i was i stopped at burger king on my way to to the facility it was open it was probably the only place well open. to the stadium i guess so I, as i get my stuff together i have a cheeseburger in my hand i have my backpack on and i'm walking into the locker room 
And, you know, of course, they always have the Grim Reaper guy mm. running around. Turk, so he's Turk. like, he comes up to me, and I literally have a cheeseburger in my hand <laughs> and my backpack on. He says, Coach Shula wants to see you. So obviously I know what's going on. So I walk in. Again, still got the cheeseburger in my hand <laughs> and my backpack on. I didn't even take my backpack off. I sat down, and he said, listen, and he explained to me that, you know, we, we need to keep you around and available in case something happens to Farrell Edmond, but Craig Bay's a starter, and, you know, we're going to keep an extra linebacker rather than an extra tight end, and uh, we're going to cut you. We're going to uh, let you clear waivers, and I want you to come back tomorrow morning. So I said, okay, and I took a bite of my cheeseburger. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> he stopped and looked at me. And he started to, you know, kind of fuss. And he was like, you know, all the years I've been coaching, I've never cut a guy that wouldn't even stop eating his cheeseburger <laughs> for five minutes to let me finish my con- – well, you know, I was a nervous wreck. You know, you know, here I am out of college. That was really the first full conversation I ever had with Don Shula. And to this it was day – literally comfort food. What's, what's, it, what's yeah. funny is, you know, a few years down the road, Mike Shula – um, yeah. comes here as the offensive coordinator. And he brought you a cheeseburger. And no, and oh. no, he walked up to me one day and says, you know, I was talking to my dad the other day, and I told him who was on the roster, and he said he was the only guy I ever cut in the history of his long Hall of Fame career that wouldn't stop eating his cheeseburger when I cut him. So this is actually a pretty memorable story for Don Shula. <laughs> yes. That must, must be right. kind of neat. Oh, he remembered. Be, yeah. It was three or four years later, and he, he remembered. And went to that, Well, he was mad. He, he pretty much threw me out of his office after that. That would have made a good scene for Hard Knocks. Like yeah, I was crack. a nervous that wreck. Is... I didn't know what to do. I said, okay, and I took a bite, think, and then he got mad. Did you think you lost your spot completely when that happened? Uh, you know, I wasn't sure. When I came in, I uh, peeked around the corner the next day to make sure my locker was still intact. But then the rest is history because you spent 15 years in the league. So Yeah, and that, that year was on and off. Was pretty good cheeseburger. There were some guys that got injured along the way, so I got activated and deactivated and then off the practice squad and then on the practice squad. and then uh, Came here in about November or something, right? I did. I came right the week before Thanksgiving, um, and my agent uh, – Left a message on my machine saying I had to catch a Why, fight. you should team. tell you who your agent was. This is another crazy story. Uh, Bruce Allen? Your, Bruce Allen was his first agent. His assistant, Eric Metz, called I, me. I can write a lot of stuff. <laughs> I can't write this stuff. And then John Gruden was at Pitt with me as a wide receiver coach. And so was Mike That's McCarthy. Wild. Right. So was Marvin Lewis. Oh, really? So was John Fox. They wow. weren't all together, but over to my four-year mm-hmm. Period. You thought we would have had a better team. And who room? And who did you room with? Uh, uh, Miami. No, Wait, at uh, Miami. At Miami. When I was at that Dolphin training camp, I was talking about Doug Peterson was my roommate. Ah, Doug Peterson was in my apartment one time. Oh yeah. Why? You brought him. I did. You you came to a party I had when I was in yeah, like ninety four, ninety three, yeah. and, and you and him came to my party, which was the weirdest thing ever. Well, that's good. You just but that, you didn't you stay just very validated long. Validated my connection. I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, I'm, yeah. sort, I'm sort of thinking you probably should have had better friends than the third string PR guy in nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety three. Wow, you've come a long. Well, you way. recruited me for your softball team. So that's that was, right. That was uh, really yep one of the greatest. Players, the, players we ever the had. best story with, with Dave and how Dave and I ended up having a relationship is that we weren't very good. When we say we, the Buccaneers weren't very good in the beginning when, when Dave first came. And we do live interviews from the locker room. And whoever was the locker room guy, reporter, would be in my ear saying, no one wants to talk, which you understand. You have a lot of defeats. It's not going well. And I would say, just go to Dave Moore. Dave will talk. And Dave did. And now he's on the radio. Yeah, and the long-stepping thing worked out, too. In long, it right? did. It did. That actually is how you got to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Correct. And that was 
Paul Hackett was the head coach at Pitt. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, that recommended that I do that. And that's something I continue to do. I did it as an emergency guy with Sam Weish. Um, and then when Tony Dungy came in, um, he let Ed Brady go. Stuffer. That's right. Remember Ed him? Brady, yeah. He just let him go. And, and the first minicamp, he said, you're the snapper. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, does he does he not realize I never snapped in <laughs> college? And I haven't always been the emergency guy. Yeah. I think it's funny because I took him fishing a number of years later. And I asked him that question. I said, did you realize when you just gave me the job as a snapper that I had never snapped in a game like in college or the pros? And he stopped fishing and looked over. He goes, I had no idea. <laughs> so I was like, I'm glad I didn't tell you yeah. that. But, I, you know, you know, when I was playing tight, you know, Jackie Harris was right. the starting tight end, and I was more of the H-back. With, you got a lot of touchdowns. With though. Mike uh, Pshula. So I, right. I was still on special teams, full duty and playing tight end. And then Jackie had a series of injuries, which kind of made me pretty much play. I think I played 83 downs in the wow. playoff game against Green Bay up there in wow. 97. And I, I was about, top. You, I think I was about 235 pounds trying to block Reggie White. So your, your Pro Bowl came after the 2006 season and that was your last NFL game ever, right? It was. You yep. know that there's three other Bucks who say the same thing? Their last game, NFL game ever, was a Pro Bowl. Well, it would be Derek, Bucks. Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks. Wow. And Leroy Selman. Wow. I didn't and know that. Blanket on the other one. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we shouldn't throw out a trivia question. We, we always, can't answer it. We always tease, we always tease Dave. <laughs> Tony Mayberry. Oh, oh, nice. Nice, yeah. We always tease Dave because um, when Dave played, of course, you were, you were a he-man when you played. And now – Sometimes guys go out very quickly for good reason. Now a lot it's a, of precautions. Now it's a business a of, decision. It's a business decision, <laughs> right. But what was funny with with Dave is uh, you played with a collapsed lung. Uh, yeah. That's well, uh, horrible. And, Obviously, didn't, I didn't know it was collapsed. It. Right, right, right. <laughs> you had to know you weren't breathing very uh, well. Though. Yeah, there's no question about it. <laughs> and then you ended up three days in the hospital after the game. That's terrible. I Correct. did. Right. And they put a chest tube in for oh, right. 72 hours. We don't need to go down that road. Yeah. But, yeah, I took a shot from Ed Reed. And that's who it was? Yeah. He got me right where I had no pads, right? Wow. I had my arm out, and he caught me underneath it. Crazy. And I thought I just knocked the wind out of me. I'm laying there, and I'm, like, waiting to breathe. And I'm on the far sideline. You ever watch your trainers come out? Like, they're not sprinting. They're, no. They're taking their time jogging right. across the field. And I didn't start breathing until Todd Torcelli got to the far sideline. So, and I needed to breathe. I just ran down the field. <laughs> And I'm seeing spots. I thought I was going to pass out. And then I started to breathe real shallow. So when we got to the sideline, I was, you know, sitting there. And they're like, where's it hurt? I'm like, the whole side. (laughs) This? Pretty much my whole side. And I leaned over and I spit. And there was blood. Oh, God. And I said to to Dr. V-Jack, I said, I didn't get hit anywhere I could be bleeding from my mouth. So he's like, you got to get an x-ray. Oh, shoot. So then I went into the tunnel. And we had Diaco Sr. and Diaco Jr., Looking at my x-ray, and they're like, I don't see it. I said, good, help me get my pads on. They're like, no, 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 no. You see your left lung? <laughs> your right lung's supposed to be right there, and it's not. <laughs> when they said, I don't see it, they meant yeah, the they, lung. I you thought they meant a fracture. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, we didn't, I didn't know it. they were looking at my lungs. So, anyway. Well, yeah. That's why they're doctors, and I was a the player. There you go. There you go. So, before you go, did you ever get caught up in the uh, the prank wars, like with Allstar and 
Sure. So you Absolutely. got a good story, Jeb a Terry. Good story about that? Yeah, Jeb Terry. There was another guy. I can't remember his name. He had a tattoo of Italy on his arm. Um, Patek, do you remember yeah? him? No, he was a defensive lineman. Anyway, he was from Wisconsin, <laughs> I think. And? Uh, anyway, yeah, but Jeb Terry, like, you know, as an older guy. No, wait, 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 wait. The Italian guy the, with Italy. Are they? Yeah, he's what, a story, lineman. what story is that? Well, it's the, the same story. thing with the prank story thing. Oh, okay. You know, like these guys. I got Mike, lost. Oh, Mike. Allstott would tell Jeb to go get him a Gatorade or something. That's an older guy. He had the rookies, you know. And uh, and then Jeb, being a smart aleck, he draws a map on a piece of paper from Mike's locker to the cooler where the Gatorades are. That's so probably Mike's like, all right, that's, that's fine, you know. So, uh, you know, the, Jeb, uh, Mike, well, Mike and I on the way out of the parking lot, took the hood of his truck off of his car when he was in meetings off of his he loved his Dodge, Dodge truck. Ram. Yeah. Loved it. He all he talked about was his truck. It was spotless. So we went, took his keys, popped the hood, disconnected it. It's, it's amazing how quick a hood will I was gonna say, do you need tools for that? Well Mike Mike had a power, power tool for everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean we in we, his locker. Yeah, we left uh, Paul Kelly's car on blocks. That's right. Was it, car, was yep. it Paul Kelly's? Yep. And we hung him over the goalposts. The tires. The tires. Yeah, and that was rim. here, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. here. But with Jeb, we took his hood, and then we put it on, you know, the locker, the old lockers. Yeah, with the front of the locker. <laughs> so he came out, like, was in shock, was freaking out that we were messing with his truck. So then, of course, he turned around and got plywood and a ton of screws and screwed our lockers shut. <laughs> so we couldn't Seems get our equipment. I don't know. Could you do that now? I mean, guys, yeah, I think you can. You? I think they could. I wouldn't go drilling holes in this facility. No, well, the other one nobody call. even noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it probably made it look better. Yeah. Perforated a little bit. Well, you'll be ready to go down to Miami I Thursday. What you looking for in the first preseason game? Well, I think you know that there's a lot of consistencies early in preseason. So the mechanics getting on and off the field with substitution with special teams, and you're dealing with a lot of guys. Um, and from a player mentality, it's all over the board because the guys that are coming back are, you know, basically going through the mechanics of pregame, going out warming up, and de depending on, you know, your position, if you're starting, if you're not, it's a little bit different, you know, but you want to see good tackling on defense because it's the first opportunity they're going to have to tackle live. Um, you, when you evaluate the young guys, you try to keep it very simple. Uh, offense, defense, very vanilla so that they understand what they're doing so that you can fairly evaluate them. Nobody can play full speed if they don't understand what their responsibilities are. Um, but the thing is just to be clean. You know, you get a lot of those penalties, a lot of sloppy play early on, but there's there's things that are going to improve as you get that game speed uh, play leading up to the regular season. So, you know, for some guys, a young guy trying to make a statement, you're inevitably going to see a late hit because of his, you know, will mm. to want to make a play rather than play within the yeah. rules of the game. So there's the late hit, there's the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the stupid penalties, sloppy holding, play. you know, so you just want to avoid the sloppy play. You want to be crisp. You want to see the first team, if they're out there at all, just execute the plays well. But from the Buck standpoint, you know, what we're looking for, I think, personally, is just better play in the offensive and defensive line. You know, I think we struggled running the ball when we needed to. We struggled getting to the quarterback when yeah. we needed to. And, you know, if you look at the last two Super Bowls, you don't think pass rush defense is important. 
you know, yeah, and right. getting to the quarterback and limiting the time they have and then ball control and offense. I think Jameis, I think any quarterback you put that back there is going to be a better quarterback when they have the ability to run the ball. Well, look forward to uh, having you back in the broadcast booth with yeah, 12th, looking forward to it. 12th season. Yeah, yeah, so this is my kind of... 25th overall with the Bucks in one capacity wow. or other. Wow. We're getting old, Scott. I know. Yes, you b- both of you. That's why old. we're called the Salty Dogs. <laughs> yeah. I think they yeah. called us that because we're old. Yeah. We figured that, that out. Um, I figure we swear like drunken sailors, and that's why they call us that. But that's a whole other story. All right. Dave, appreciate you coming hey, by. We, you know you're only our second guest ever, correct. so you're in a very well, exclusive club right now. Right. Who was the first? Ronde. Ronde. Oh, yeah. that's all right. So, yeah, well, we appreciate, we appreciate you taking your time for more resources. Uh, the insurance business, I know, is Pure so, excitement. Yeah. So, but I <laughs> appreciate you taking the time out and, and sign a few policies on your way out, and you'll be yeah. good to go. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Thanks, guys. The Salty Dogs. Welcome back, Buccaneer fans, and anybody that stumbled across us by accident. Yes. As we were talking about earlier. We're Uh, glad you're joining us. We're in our last segment here, and um, we're going to answer a fan's questions. And I'm operating blind because I have not seen any of these questions. It's not fair, I have to admit. I I do. Especially for the second one. But you so enjoy when it's not fair. (laughs) Have to level the playing field That's somehow because you've got all the technical expertise here. Yeah, we're, so like far, if, so far. Turn, turn up my bass, Jeff. All I'll say this is: if you're hearing us, I did the job. <laughs> Continue. So, um, and if oh, you're Dave, not, then nobody will ever know. Dave right. left his glasses. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, as I said last week, and uh, our you can send. Uh, Emails, questions to us at, it doesn't even have to be a question. You can just insult us or something. Whatever you want to do. Saltydogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. You know, we're just getting started, so that mailbox was not exactly jam-packed this week, Jeff, but I did get two questions. So 100% chance that if you sent me a question, it's getting read here today. All right, fire away. All right, Scott and Jeff, thank you for bringing us the podcast. Three exclamation points. Thanks, Mom. Love it and all things Buccaneers. (laughs) Awesome show and great interview with RB20. That would be Ronde for anybody as well. Yes. My question for the next show is, could Alan Cross step into a position of being a battering ram the way that Allstott was for us? He seems to be very talented and pretty stout. Thank you, Michael Cameron. I wonder if he'd like being called stout. He is stout, though. I feel like that's sort of a coded way to say big. You know, he's, oh, you're, 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 well, your but, child is a little stout. Well, back in the day, you would say he's husky. Husky, <laughs> He's not husky, though. I think stout no. is a better word. Yes. Uh, he's a well-put-together guy and a surprisingly good athlete. Not surprising. He's in the NFL, but he's good. At, it seems like he's good at everything. I could actually see him, if you wanted to say that role of Mike Allstott, I could see him doing that. See, I don't think so. I think that's basically gone from the NFL. Um, not big backs in general, but when you talk about Mike Allstott being a battering ram, you talk about him being a battering ram around the goal line with the ball in his hand. Not, not. I mean, he did lead block, but what mm-hmm. do you think of what was Mike Allstott's great strength? It oh. was running the ball and his incredible balance. And the fact that he could, against Cleveland, would he have break eight tackles? Nine. I think he hit uh, nine yeah. guys. Unbelievable. Looked like a pinball game. Well, and sometimes, and it happened on that run, he'd get hit from the side and he'd use the hit. He was, he was starting to fall down and the hit would help him get back up because he had just such ridiculous balance. I think that's the most underrated thing about Everybody thinks about Mike Allstott's power, but it was his balance. All right, let me rephrase it then. If Alan Cross played when Mike Allstott played, yes. Would he be that kind of guy? Because he's not. He's never been a ball carrier no. I mean, that I'm aware of. A great blocker. Though. And I think if you, if you take a guy who's not been a ball carrier and, and just ask him to run the ball every now and then, you're, you're playing with fire. That's when fumbles happen. So I don't see – I would say yes, he, he is and can be a good lead blocker, and that's what they use him for. Um, 
And he's but I don't of, see him being an I don't Mike also role. And he's one of the funniest guys on the team. Yeah, he's got great stories. We should have him on. With that just right. might we, put and, that on the list, and, Jeff. Then, and then we will ask him that question. Yes. Okay. okay. Second question, and the last thing we're going to do here on the podcast today. Yo, salty dogs. <laughs> I listened to the first podcast, and yeah, I think salty dogs means you're old. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I guess he's right, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, you guys were telling stories from the Sam White era, kind of dating yourself there. So we, I don't remember what we talked about. Oh, I talked about him yelling, mouthing at. at would, would you not? Would you not just say we enjoy history? We, you know, we lived it, unfortunately. Well, there's that, but we also could have read. So, so anyway, okay, I think he's through insulting okay. us now. So anyway, dip into all that old guy knowledge. Okay, there's another one. And answer me this. If you were going to take a cross-country road trip with three Buccaneers from any era, who would you have in that car? If they passed on to the big pirate ship in the sky, you can still choose them. Fortunately, there's not a ton of people in that category. Right. We'll say we're bringing them back for one last hurrah. I guess you can choose coaches, too, but this is a long question. But that seems too easy. I mean, I'm guessing Gruden could tell stories for at least two or three states. <laughs> That's a good point. So maybe try to keep it to one coach if you choose one. Also, what kind of car are you driving? Thanks. I sure hope there's a second Salty Dogs episode. Or, well, there is, or this awesome question is going to go to waste. Well, there is. So there you go. Dave. So Just Dave. In fact, it says Dave. Dave. Just Dave. Is... I guess he didn't want to tell Is us it three thing. guys in the same car? Or it's you, you the, and three guys in the car on uh, a road trip. See, that's hard because I am friends with some people that would not get along with who I am friends with. <laughs> so you're thinking about the interpersonal relationships yes, I'm in the thinking whole about, car. I mean, I'm thinking about if we're all together, um, one of the guys that I would, would go with on a road trip because I have. This and, is across the entire country, so you're going to be like three or four days with these people. I've been, five, on, uh, I, I've been on a boat in the, in the middle of uh, the <laughs> you're dry. You're going to say Dave Moore, aren't Yeah, you? in the dry Tortugas really, with, with Dave Moore. Really sucking up to him. No, today's it's guest, true, so. though. If you, it, That's one. Well, he did, he did. we didn't even get to all the stories, right? No. So you're right. That's a good Correct. pick. Now, I, he, would, he would be one. Um, and I know this, I, and I could do a road trip with Warren Sapp and laugh all the way and have a great time. But you wouldn't get a word in edgewise. It doesn't matter. I would still. You don't want to do some of the talking. I can I do, don't know. I I'm, think he could be a bit divisive. Well, It'd be hard for anybody else. Well, to talk. that's why I said, do you? You know, if everybody yeah, together, right. but but if I uh, out of my relationships. Right, so you're going to try it though. You're going to put Dave and, and Warren and who else in the car? And also, what kind of car are you driving? And I would take Tony Dungy with me. Okay. Because Tony would nullify Warren, <laughs> and and then it would all be good. But Dave's and, in the middle. And then we could be, and Dave gets along with everybody. Right. So then, so yes, my three would be Nate, Dave Moore, Warren Sapp, and Tony Dungy. Well, it's going to be an interesting conversation, I can tell you that. And what kind of car are you driving? It's got to be something big, I think. Yeah, it would have to be. It like would. a big old Lincoln. Yeah. That it would ride smooth all the way across the country. Like probably, a since we're going to be old guys, I'm going to go way back, like a 63 Lincoln with oh, suicide man. doors. Oh, so you know Google about it. cars. So Google it if you want to know what that means. Yeah, I'm, I might not pick a car because I clearly don't have the car knowledge you do. Okay, so I liked Dave Moore. I had him on my list too. Um, if I had a coach, and, and again, we can pick somebody posthumously. Mm -hmm. um, John McKay, I never oh. never really interacted that much with John McKay. He was obviously not the coach or anything, but he's around sometime because Rich was here. Oh. Um, but... Uh, from what everything I've read, he sounds like he'd be hilarious. See now, now that you say that, Rich McKay is a very Rich McKay is a good is a very too. funny guy. Yeah, so he would be a great road trip guy. I'm just taking. I'm you know I'm John McKay is back with us and he's on my he's on my uh, uh, road trip. And another guy I bet you wouldn't think I would have thought of is and I mentioned him earlier when I was talking to Dave Moore, Tony Mayberry. I always found Tony hilarious. Great guy. 
Yes. And he can talk. Mm-hmm. He's a good talker, and I always thought he was hilarious. And he's also, you know, most offensive linemen, when they leave the game, either go one direction or the other. They they tend to get bigger or a lot smaller, defensive linemen too. Tony is in great shape. He's a lot thinner than he was as a player. Uh, and so there wouldn't be – he, he was be t- taking, taking up as much room Terrific teammate too. He was yeah. a terrific teammate. He's all around one of the better, probably mm-hmm. one of the more underrated bucks. That's good. And then, um, you know, not not Greg Shannon probably. I'm just afraid he would be like – he would be controlling where we stopped. Yes. Like, he would be the one that gets to decide every single yes. stop. Yes. And if I didn't like what he chose, where we're going to eat, that would be my problem. Right. So um, I, I think I might also like to take one guy from the current team, and you were just talking about him, Honcho, <laughs> Alan Cross. Because I'd like to he'd, – he'd have stories I haven't heard before. Right. And you I know what? I think I want to get in your car. <laughs> <laughs> no more room. <laughs> That's a great question because if you start looking at all the personalities and, and, you know, you catch you off guard and I just thought of, you know, more of personal relationships that I have with people and not necessarily everybody together, but there are some really terrific, there's some really interesting people that have come through. You know who would be fun? And we got to wrap this up, but before we do, you know, it'd be fun, but he said players are coaches, but what about Doc Diaco? (laughs) I mean, riding the on the bus with him and hearing his stories and hearing him like critique movies randomly. See, but now you're getting me. So entertaining. I would love, now that, now that I think about it, Monty Kiffin would be Monty a Kiffin hoot would be and a half. He was a great. I think we're going to need to get a bus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that. yeah. Great question. Yeah. Though, good Dave. question, Dave. Thanks, just Dave. Davins. Hopefully we get more questions next week, although that was plenty. I mean, two questions yep, is enough. That was good. Uh, but, we, you know, send them in. We like to talk about this stuff. It can be anything you want. Right. So, And we can do current stuff, too. We're just not. Well, we did. We yeah, did the Alan Cross I understand, question. but I, you know, Dave's kind of irritating me about being, you know, <laughs> going back to 91. Like, that's a long time ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, you got both of us beat. It's like, what, 91? What, five, six years ago? Who was the know. president at the time? 91? That, that would have that been Bush. Right. The first Bush. Yes. Yeah. So that yes. was a long time ago. All right, Jeff. Uh, thank you, and we give our thanks to Dave as well. Dave yes. Moore. Yes. And you so like you have one more thing to say. Well, I am because uh, one of the complaints I got was complaints. Yes. About the well, podcast suggestions. Not possible suggestions. It was that it just kind of sounded like we just ended. Trailed off. So, so I, would you want to have a musical number before we? Well, go? we're going to have a little bit of music, but I'm going to just say this, and you know it's over. You ready? Yeah. Since you did, thanks for listening.